Welcome to the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. Quite a while since we've recorded since the last time, but a lot has happened in the world of sports. Most recently, there's been quite a tragic event that we haven't covered. The death of Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant, as well as many others in the helicopter crash on January 26 in Calabasas, California, shook our country and shook the sports world. Kobe Bryant is one of the most legendary players to ever play the game of basketball. His talent on and off the court will be missed. One of the things that's so sad about this tragedy is not just the fact that Gianna was a rising star in women's basketball, but also the fact that both of them, as well as everyone else on that helicopter, had so much more to offer with their life. It's not so much what we were looking back on, but what we were looking forward to. Kobe, Gianna, and the rest of the people who died on the helicopter crash we will miss their talents and what they could have been while we remember who they were and what great people they were. Nolan and company would like to reach out our deepest condolences to the families of those who passed away. Now, on to the show. What's up, guys? It is Saturday, February 8th, 20 and 20, and it is a good day for some podcasting. I'm just Nolan, because you can't handle the Ruth. I'm up here in Fort Worth, Texas today, but guess what? I'm not alone, because for the first time ever, we are remote. For the first time, joining us remotely from College Station, Texas, are Mason Pruitt and the real Blake T. Martin. T today standing for Tamale. Oh, that's good. That's original. Yeah, we, I, we haven't used that one before. We thought of that like five minutes ago. It's great. I like it a lot. Guys. Yeah, guys, welcome back again. Been quite some time, but reunited, and it feels so good. There you go. Guys, so here's the thing. Uh, clear the air real quick. So I'm recording this. I'm leading the recording here in Fort Worth. Uh, Mason and Blake are technically joining me it, it, through quote-unquote phone connection. Uh, so if there's any sound problems we apologize in advance uh we're obviously still uh, developing with this new software we got clean feed a big thanks to tyler kern for hooking us up with this uh i i ask that you bear with us through the through any sound difficulties we may have uh but guys like i'm ready like this is a new you know the, the sun is rising on a new era in nolan and company sports and this is awesome this is great I'm excited about this. Obviously, this is the first time. Uh, we tried this uh, about a year ago, but it really didn't work out through uh, remote feed. But obviously, we're starting it up right now, and hopefully 
This podcast goes really well. I think it will go great with the lineup that we have. How do you feel, Mason? I feel really good just to have the man Nolan back. I yeah, am too. I, we, I, love doing the, I love leading the show, but it just didn't feel right with having Nolan here. He's the one who brings us all together. So we, just, were, we were with Adam in the fall, and now we have him back. I, we're, I'm just glad to have you back, Nolan. Guys, guys, flattering will get you everywhere, all right? So thank you. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I love you. I love you both. Uh, let's start off, guys, today in sports history. February 8th, 1963, the AFL's Dallas Texans officially relocated to Kansas City and became the Chiefs. And here we are 57 years later, and the Chiefs are your reigning Super Bowl champions. That's pretty sweet. Quite impressive. That's pretty sweet. So yeah. Super Bowl 54 champions, the Dallas Texans, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have wish. one birthday. We have one birthday shout out to get to today. Happy thirtieth birthday to Clay Thompson, five-time NBA All-Star, three-time NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they're not having a very good season, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> Show rundown today. We're going to talk a little baseball, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on down in Houston right now. Uh, we're going to follow that up with a little bit of uh, NBA talk. Uh, then we got a recap of the Super Bowl that happened a week ago, and that will transition into. The XFL talk. Games are going on right now. We are currently in the fourth quarter of the game between uh, Washington, D.C. and Seattle. Uh, and we'll kind of break that down here shortly. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll finish off with a little bit of hockey talk. And then the return of Martin's Minute. So let's go, go, go ahead and, let's go ahead and break into this right now. So for those who aren't really paying attention to baseball news right now, uh, where the heck have you been? Uh, the Houston Astros got handed down a punishment from Major League Baseball for cheating and or for stealing signs rather during the 2017 and we have reason to believe 28 uh, 2019 World Series. Yeah, from what they've been, from what some reports uh, I looked at from ESPN and all the CBS Sports as well as Fox Sports. Uh, they mentioned that it wasn't maybe just even the World Series that they've done it throughout some uh, crucial games throughout the season. Um, and obviously, but it wasn't just the Astro in this. We have to discuss that. There have been quite a few teams that have come out that they've investigated them as well, just besides the Houston Astros. Yeah, so, you know, my biggest thoughts are, Who's, who's to blame for this? I, I, I believe it is the coaches, and A.J. Hinch has come out and said that he he deserves the blame. He's going to take the blame upon himself. And, and honestly, I mean, what when it comes down to it, everybody – I mean, the coaches in the front office knew this was happening, and they chose not to put an end to it. They chose not to do anything with it. They, they you know, they said, hey, keep doing it. You know, th- things are going good, yeah. right? To me, that, that, that is the fault with the managers and the coaches because they know what's going yeah. on. You know, they should know what could happen if it goes south. And, I mean, look at where they are now. A.J. Hinch has lost his job. Uh, Carlos Beltran stepped down from the Mets before he even got to manage a game. Uh, you know, Alex Here's Morris the issue down. that I sell. If, if we're talking about this, I don't mean to interrupt you. <clears throat> there have been many teams who have cheated throughout history. I mean, granted, this is a little bit different because this is uh, stealing signs. But at the same time, if that's the case, uh, the Patriots spied on their opponents as well. I mean, this is not the first time in major league sports or in any professional sports team that you've had an advantage. 
Granted, do I think that my biggest problem with the MLB, uh, if I may like kind of veer from what my point is, is that I think some of the punishments are a little too harsh. Do I think that they should be suspended? Do I think that a lot of these guys should, you know, maybe lose their jobs? Yes, and that's happening. We're seeing that with a lot of people uh, going around. And I mean, yes, AJ Hitch should be punished for this. There should be uh, repercussions for those players who continue to do this. But at the same time, we've seen this a lot. And throughout all, all professional sports, and to me, I think, yes, it's a big deal, but the MLB has blown things out of proportion, like not letting Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame because of gambling. You know, there's a lot of little minute issues, whereas let's look at football, where people go out, like, you know, and we've had a lot of different things, like the Ray Rice uh, scandal, like, you know, a lot of abuse and domestic violence and that sort of thing. And granted, those people are punished. But at the same time, their lives are not completely just destroyed afterwards. I think Major League Baseball now grants more pure. And do I think that these people, like I said, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be punished. I think that some of them should be removed. But Hank Aaron, the great Hank Aaron, came out with a statement recently saying that all the people who are involved in these scandals should be per uh, should be permanently removed from the MLB, should never be allowed back in the MLB. I think that's a little bit harsh, just saying. It's a little overkill. So do you think that the current punishment that they were handed is a little too harsh? I mean... Uh... Probably not. I'm not saying it's too harsh. What I think is... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to go, go well, ahead and finish I, Well, I mean, you know, I mean, they, they had pretty much anything short of having the title stripped because the MLB is not going to do that. But... Yeah. I, I mean, they, you know, they were handed a pretty you know, a pretty good punishment. And I heard one person get creative and say that they need to play all their home games with a white batter's eye and make it black for when the <laughs> other team is batting. Uh, oh, wow. But yeah, people were getting creative with the punishments. But, but like, what would you have done? I mean, I think some of that is fair. I do think it's... I think it's fair. I, look, I don't know what I would do in that situation, honestly. That's a hard thing to do. I think you obviously suspend people for, I would say, suspend a lot of those people, maybe fire the general manager, uh, fire, you know, a lot of people in uh, upper-level positions in that organization and say, hey, look, you can still be in the MLB, but you can't play, for, you can't coach or you can't, you know, manage this team. Um, and to the players who participated in this, you know, you, you're going to have a fine. You're also going to be suspended. But at the same time, like, let, let's honestly look at this. Yes, it gave them an advantage. What they did gave them an advantage. However, at the same time, how much of an advantage did it give? I mean, the Astros are still a good team, regardless whether they cheated or not. Yeah, they might have gotten a little bit further, but they're still a playoff caliber team, regardless. So, like, why are we saying, oh, yeah, they don't deserve this, or... Uh, you know, uh, it was just all, all because of cheating that they won this. Now, I'm not saying all, everybody's saying that, but I think that's kind of implied to a certain degree. So how I would view this is, but I think that we're getting to overkill territory here. There's a lot of punishments that have been discussed, like I just said, with Hang Aaron, uh, that are just kind of ridiculous. And if we're going to use that standard... And we should use it for the same way in the NFL. We should use it, you know, in all major sports, you know? I just think that this is a little bit in territory that is kind of sketchy. That's all I'm saying. 
Mason, so, do you have any thoughts on this? I just I, I don't get the talk of why should they should have their title stripped away. Yeah. Are they going to give it to you? I don't think there's anyone on that 2017 Dodgers team that would want that title. They wouldn't yeah. want it that way. If you're going to take their title, take the Yankees title in 09 when they were doing steroids throughout yeah. the playoffs. I mean, that's the thing. Is This is not the first time there's been scandal in baseball. Yeah. We've had roided up monsters back in the 90s where you had a bunch of people like Barry Bonds. People get on him because they're saying, oh, well, he really didn't earn that. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have got as many home runs as he did, but he's still a Hall of Fame caliber uh, you know, batter. He, You know, Roger Clemens, people say, oh, well, he wasn't that good. You know, because of the whole Roy Rage thing. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, saying, oh, we're going to strip your title. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. It's not as if the Astros weren't good. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden they got, you know, stole some signs and whatnot. And, oh, wow, this became this, you know, world championship team. That's not how that works, you know? Yeah, I think all I think all the punishments were fair until you get to the point of talking about stripping a title away. Because then... The Patriots should have title stripped Agreed. away on two I or agree. three different occasions. So, like I said, the Yankees. So I think everything was fair. What happened, but the talk of taking a title away is way too far. Yeah. So, so Blake, you you touched on this earlier, and this is actually my next my next question. But I mean, what where does that leave Pete Rose? Because really, he didn't cheat. He bet on his own team. And I mean, if if guys who to me cheated the game, cheated the integrity of, of the game. Well, you know the way they did, the way the Astros did, and you know if they yeah. if they're still potentially going to be available for uh, you know Hall of Fame candidacy, then you know why why isn't Pete Rose? I, I mean he yeah well that's you know. my point is is this is why baseball is so unfair. We talk about America being a place of you know justice and you know second chances, while America's pastime is completely just flawed with that. I mean, when we're looking at this whole situation, like Pete Rose, like like you said, but he never bet against his own team. He bet around that, but he never bet against his own team. I mean, the guy, you can say whatever you want as a general manager. You can say the whole gambling scam is that. You cannot deny that he wasn't good. That's a problem, is all these guys will get in scandals and this will hurt their career, but people are like, oh, he was just terrible. He, you know, he only... That's not true. That is not true at all. And if we're going to make this whole thing, uh, you know, about the uh, scandals that the Astros been coming up with, we need to discuss the fact that Pete Rose should be Hall of Fame. That's what I think. If you're pe- presenting something to Major League Baseball, I think that they should discuss. But that's just my opinion. So I mean, it's not like it's going to change anything with them. They've always had this stance, and I think they're probably going to wait till Pete Rose dies. And then they're going to give him the Hall of Fame just to kind of spite him, you know? So the other teams involved in this as far as personnel firings and, you know, stepping down, uh, you know, the Red, uh, Red Sox lost their manager. Uh, Beltron stepped down as a Mets manager. But what it appears to me that the Red Sox might be taking this a little too far because, uh, I mean, just look at this Mookie Betts trade that's going on right now. They're having more of a mm-hmm. spring cleaning than a spring training. Uh, Mookie Betts is being traded to the Dodgers. Uh, the Twins have backed out, so the trade deal is not done um, because there was some problem with the Twins' right-handed pros- pitching prospect that they were sending to Boston in this three-team trade. So now Minnesota has backed out, and now the Dodgers are going to have to uh, try to pitch in something to try to get Mookie Betts from Boston. They're going to have to send somebody to Boston. Um yeah, 
are the Red Sox overreacting to this? Like, I, I don't understand what the whole yeah. point of this whole spring cleaning is for them. I think they might be just trying to make a point. I, I think this whole thing with Mookie Betts is a little bit overkill. I mean, I don't know their thought process behind this. I mean, I, I don't really know why people go and just completely clean house with this, especially, you know, with this whole scandal and all that stuff going around. I just don't know why, even when the, all the details aren't out yet, why you're just like, okay, let's just get rid of them all, you know? I, I just, I, I have no idea what they're doing. Mason, would you like to chime in on this? Uh, I mean, I don't know about this. Baseball's not really my thing, but I th- it just goes back to the point of if he knew, it's the same thing with A.J. Hinch. If he knew what was going on in their title run in 2018, yeah. then I think he deserves that punishment. And look, I'm not saying they don't, but I think that, I think the people who are directly, this is how you do it. If I was in a position of power in the MLB, this is what I'd say. Okay, those people who were instigating it, who were the main people driving behind the middle, I'd say those guys, okay, you're fired, you're out. I'm not going to say you're not able to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying you're not able to be on the team again. I'm just saying you can't be on this team anymore. We're getting rid of you. The rest of you, I'm going to find you, and I'm going to, or I'm going to suspend you for a few games in the season. That's a perfectly reasonable thing. That's how everybody else does it, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NFL. Anybody else does it that way. The Like I said, the MLB overdoes stuff. They don't look at it from a reasonable perspective. you know. And, and let's just say uh, if those people on that team do it again, then yeah, yeah, ban them or do whatever. I'm not saying you don't. And granted, they had done it multiple times, but at the same time, they didn't get caught. So, I mean, you can't just say, oh, well, we told them so or whatever. You know, they kept doing it because it was working and nobody was getting them. Now, am I saying it's right what they did? No. But what I'm saying is it's understandable. So, I... I... Honestly, I don't get the whole thing with the with this spring cleaning. Uh, honestly, I'm, obviously now it's different because it depends on what the Dodgers are going to be sending to Boston. So there's still yeah. some speculation that this trade that this trade might actually end up helping Boston at some point. But you are, I mean, you know, giving up Mookie Betts, who has been one one of the Red Sox best players. I mean, I, I'm going to be asking the Dodgers for a lot, and they and they were willing to give him to. LA for almost nothing from Minnesota. I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, and then the other team, the New York Mets. So here's the headline surrounding the New York Mets right now. Steve Cohen, a few months ago, signed a non-binding deal to take over 51% of the franchise. The deal mm-hmm. stated that he would not have control of the team, he would not handle day-to-day operations for the first five years of this deal. He apparently did not know that at the time, and now he's backing out of the deal, and so the Mets are left. Uh, I believe they're met, they're left without a majority owner at the at the moment. I think that's I think that stake is still is still up for sale for any, for anybody, um, and this has yeah. just left the Mets in limbo. And it's not like we were expecting them to go to the World Series anyway, but I mean. Like, how, how the heck does this affect the franchise from this point? I mean, what are they going to do? It, it reminds me of the, 
uh, a little bit of the Islander scandal. Um, you, you know, uh, back in the back in the '90s when uh, what's his name, uh, John, John Spano tried to buy the Islanders but didn't have the assets, and it just left that franchise in limbo. Are we are we potentially about to see the same thing from the Mets? Yeah, I, I think that this is going to hurt them a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of precedent other than what you said with the Islanders when it comes down to something like this, but I think that you have to look at it from a perspective of this is going to really hurt their franchise financially and all and also on the field. I mean, there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of precedent behind this. Like, you know, I don't really, I have no idea what's going to happen with this. But, um, like I said, like th this is just a tough situation for the Mets. Sucks to be them. Sorry, Diet Comets. You're even more in trouble. <laughs> That's MLB talk. Great, uh, great little baseball conversation there. Um, spring training starts in just a little under a week. Six days from now is when spring training will open. Games, spring training games will start seven days after that. I believe it's the Rangers and the Royals kicking things off to start spring training baseball. And then uh, we'll be back in full swing in just a matter of months. Uh, let's, let's go down to the NBA. Uh, there's a little headline here uh, that I got just hours ago um, from ESPN. Sources are telling ESPN that the Milwaukee Bucks, who are way ahead of everybody in the league right now, they are clearing space to sign Marvin Williams, who will clear waivers with the Charlotte Hornets this weekend. And he is expected to sign with the Bucks as early as Monday. And Mason, you can chime in on this for sure. But that would add a lot to an already dominant team. I mean, how much better can Milwaukee get? Yeah, they, that... have, oh, they have only seven losses on the season. So I don't think... Yeah, I don't think they get much better. There's talk about how they should make a run to try to beat the Golden State 73 and 9 record that they set in 2016, which I don't think is a good idea cuz you saw what happened to the Warriors, they got tired in the playoffs. But this Milwaukee team, they're 24 and 3 at home, they're 20 and 4 on the road. They're just ahead of the game in in the overall league and they're five games in front of the Lakers for the number 1 overall seed. So I think as soon as they lock up that, they should not rest players, but start giving Giannis about 25 minutes a game, just lower the minutes so they can make a championship run because I think this is the year for it after um, Kawhi left the East and went to the Clippers. So I think this is their year to try to make a run for a championship in the Eastern Conference. If there's one thing, and obviously I haven't been watching a ton of basketball, but at the same time, what do you all think about the Mavericks dropping into seventh place in the Western Division recently? Obviously, they were kind of on fire. They got up to third place earlier this year. You had Luca, who was doing very well. Um, what do you all think the state of that uh, the Mavericks are? And also, with the Warriors being in last place at this point, what is it time for them to worry, or is this no. just an off year? Okay, I'll touch on both those. First things first for the Mavericks. I don't think it's panic time for the Mavericks just yet. I think we're in year one out of five of the Porzingis and Luca. Uh, duo things are going good obviously it stinks when luca in two weeks or he was earlier in the season now he's gonna be almost likely to the all-star game um but they're the way we play at home is concerning because i believe we're, we're better on the road we're 14 
16 and 13 at home. That's just not good. We're barely over 500, and then we're 17 and 8 on the road. I, I don't, I don't understand how that works. But and this is odd with some teams. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just that. I mean, like it, I always find it interesting to see how somebody can do so well at a hostile environment and do so poorly when they're at home. I mean, that to me just is kind of baffling. But yeah, well, I think that's the biggest area of concern is how we play at home because if we do make the playoffs those are the games you need to steal because we're most likely going to be playing like denver or clippers first round part of what's concerning for me as well is i mean you know you've got great chemistry on this team you know a a lot of younger guys some guys who've been in the league uh for a few years they got a little experience i mean heck you got jj barea who's been in here for what this is his like you know he's been here for like a decade and a half at this point um, Who knows? He was he was on that 2011 championship team, right? Uh, but I mean, look, Tim Hardaway Jr., great player. Seth Curry is really stepping up. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Courtney Lee is, has scored quite a bit, but the problem is uh, Justin Jackson even. But the problem is is that with Luca and Kristaps Porzingis, one of them is almost always hurt. And so there, you mm-hmm. know, there's good chemistry, but I mean, they're they're just not a complete team, and I think part of that weighs on them mentally, just knowing, you know, someone's not here, and so there there are specific connections and there are specific duos and trios even that can set up a beautiful play to take it right to the lane and you know go going for a layup, uh, or I mean, heck, Dallas has one. I mean, this we have probably one of the best three point shooting teams. That Dallas has seen the best offense in the best offense in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And and yet we're the and yet we're the seventh seed. We we have statistically we have the best offense in the league. There's a lot to and, be desired, and part and part of that for me thinks that it's because someone's always hurt. Uh, I mean, now we're not injury plagued. I mean, you know, we're not missing, uh, you know, we're not missing seven guys and are having to play our bench players all the time. I mean, th- that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. But we're, so, someone is getting hurt for sure quite often, and, and for me, that's the reason. Now, to touch on your point, Mason, you're right. It's not panic time. They're still they're they're still five games above the Grizzlies for that eight for that eight spot, right? So they're still in the playoffs by quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I think the chances at this point are really good that they end up you know being in that in the tournament. Uh, when they go in, though, they're probably right. going to end up drawing the Clippers or the Lakers, and you know that that's not the best matchup you want to have right at that point, especially if you yeah. are not one hundred percent healthy. Yeah, my dream scenario is we get the six seed and Denver falls with the three because I think that's the best first round matchup for the Mavericks. We made that Collie Stein trade, so Guardiokic should be a little bit better. Not saying it's going to be good because he's obviously one of the best players in the game, but that is my dream first round matchup right there as a Mavericks fan. But you talked about how Luca and Porzingis, one of those is always hurt, and that's why I think the Mavericks need to make a move in the offseason for a solid a solid third guy. And one guy that comes to mind to me is Bradley Beal for the Wizards, in which if you watched the game yesterday, Mavericks fans should know shouldn't know who that is because he hit the buzzer against us. But things aren't going good in Washington. They're they're about to start in a rebuild. They very young team, the John Wall Bradley Bill, like it, it worked for maybe a season and a half, but I think it's time to split that up. And so there was talks about Tim Hardaway Jr. 
Jr., Jalen Sin, and Justin Jackson in picks for Beal in the offseason. So that means you would be working with Luca, Beal, Finney Smith, Porzingis, and Powell next year. Powell's back healthy. So, uh, Nolan, what's your take on that? Should the Mavericks trade for a solid third guy or, or I, I don't know if I'd trade keep the house. most of their young core? I don't know if I'd trade the yeah. house like that. Uh, I mean, I, I got to see this team uh, about a month ago, and, I mean, right out of the gates, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. scored the first nine points of the game. Uh, you know, I love Tim Hardaway. You've got a great supporting cast here. I think, yes, you need to go get a third guy, um, but – I I don't trade. I, I, I try to see who what free agent is available because, I mean, you've got – for mm-hmm. the first time in a long time, the Dallas Mavericks look like, you know, they could be a free agent hotspot, really. I mean, you know, they, they, oh, yeah. they, have, they have such a great supporting cast. they got two great superstars on their team. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would see what, what opens up in free agency. And I don't think you need to go get such a big-name guy – but you definitely need somebody who can mm-hmm. step up and be clutch because, heck, I, even I think that Tim Hardaway Jr. could be that that third guy that you're talking about. But I I do t- I do too. Beal will be an upgrade, obviously. But there's I mean we're about to give Porzingis has, has his five year one fifty eight, and then in I think three years Lucas we all know Lucas going to get a fat paycheck. So it, it, it cap room comes to talk, but. I was actually sorry, I'm just kind of going off topic, but looking back on the trade line, did that Andre Jumman trade to the Cleveland Cavaliers? When I saw that, I kind of got frustrated because they only traded like a second round pick, and I don't, I don't think they traded any starters for the Andre Drummond trade, and I feel like that's kind of what the Mavs are missing is front court defense. So I'm not really calling time, but after all that, I was kind of, I was kind of. I'm frustrated at the Mavs front office because I feel like we could offer more, but the Cavaliers did. For Drummond. So let's kind of touch up on this topic, uh, on this topic real quick before we go into uh, before we go into football here. Um, Mason, did you see how Portland just absolutely got robbed last night against Utah? Yes, yes, and that I don't understand how you missed that. And then the quote, I can't remember. One of the NBA insiders said that the. Ref told Damian Lillard that it wasn't even close to being goaltending, and that just tells me that, I mean, come on, how ignorant can you be? It was clear and obvious. I think Damian Lillard had all the right to be upset, and if you watched the post-game interview, he didn't really back. I mean, I can't say everything that he said, but he's talking about how I believe they're the ninth seed in the West. Um, I'm going to fat check that real quick. You are correct. They're two and yes, a half games they're the ninth seed in the West, so they are one. They are one spot out of the, yeah, and so every game, especially in the Western Conference, every game matters, and he has all except. I mean, it, clear blown call. It definitely cost them the game. Now, obviously, if they would have played better throughout the game, they could have won. But yes, it was total blown call, and I understand Damian Lewis's frustration completely. If if y'all haven't seen the video, go check out i mean it is all over social media here damian lillard uh goes in for a layup uh just i mean in the i mean this is in the closing seconds of the game and uh damian lillard goes up goes in for a layup and he was he almost got fouled that was that was the first thing he almost got fouled um but he gets oh i think he got i think he got fouled too i think they missed a foul and a goaltend 
So he gets the ball up. The ball hits the glass. And as it's hitting the glass, uh, Rudy Gobert go, uh, goes up and, I mean, he makes contact with that ball. There's no doubt about it. And if he doesn't touch it right, right there, it probably goes in. And that's probably two points, which would have tied the game with, I mean, seconds remaining. Um, instead, mm-hmm. uh, instead Utah gets the call or the, the no call, I'd say, and, uh, they ended up going on to win one seventeen to one fourteen. And if I'm Portland, I mean, I'm well within my right to be upset and, and I would be upset. Be, I mean, because that was, I mean, that that's poor officiating right there. And, and this is a, this is a trailblazers team that, de- that desperately needed that game. And they're going against, uh, you know the the four seeded Jazz who are you know they've got their playoff spot you know all but locked up. I mean you know it'd take a just just a major losing streak to get the Jazz out of the playoffs. This Blazers team needed that win, and I think they got robbed of it for sure. Yeah, we're gonna move on now, and we're gonna cover the greatest game that has ever been played. And I'm of course talking about American football, not Canadian. Blake, I mentioned that for you. Not Canadian. Okay, I I was scared. You made my head out a little bit, man. <laughs> so last week. Oh yeah. So. so okay, a, a, we're good. A week, I, a week I'm take, from tomorrow. I'm taken aback by that. All right. A week from tomorrow. Uh, from tomorrow. Uh, there was a game played in Miami. A little event that uh, I think it's called the 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 Brilliant Bowl, something like that. Uh, the oh oh the something Super like Bowl. Something, like, like, some, like a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it's called. So, not a hundred percent. Can and, and can, I, this can the like, listeners fat check on fat yeah, fat yeah, check that on us? This is the in, <laughs> go Super out Bowl. there. It, it, it's it, it's this little thing called the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. You know, <laughs> it only gets like the highest viewership like ever. But you know, it, it's a it's a little known game. A good Super Bowl Fifty Four. We go into it. Uh, is the Kansas City Chiefs in the San Francisco Forty ers and this Forty ers team? You know they they were they they shocked me for sure. I'll say that they started out this year out eight and zero. Jimmy Garoppolo had a great season, but that running game for San Francisco is what got them to the to that point. And so that was the, you know, going into that game, that was the key for Kansas City. Kansas City, on the other hand, had the best offense in the league. San Francisco had the best defense. You know, this was a matchup for the ages. Um, And Kansas City ends up on top on a comeback in the last eight minutes of the game. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. We were all talking about this, by the way. We watched it together. They did not look like the Kansas City Chiefs in the first three quarters. They did not look like their usual selves at all. They got hot in the fourth quarter and they won that game. And Mm -hmm. and I think, I I think part of the, like the adversity they faced in the playoffs, they got down to the Texans 24 to nothing uh, in the divisional round. I think that, by the way, what you want to know what that reminded me of. And I hate to say this for Houston sports, but that reminded me of the 1992 playoff game against the Buffalo Bills where the Oilers were uh, leading Buffalo like 38-3 to at halftime, and then they came back and beat them. Like, that's what that reminded me of, that one Chiefs versus Texans game. So they were behind but, against uh, the Texans, obviously. In, in my humble – go ahead. 
they're they're behind against the Texans, yeah. and then they got behind against the Titans in the AFC Championship game. I think that they're willing, like the, just them not panicking at all. That that was what contributed, and I think late in the game, San Francisco really put the pressure on themselves when all the pressure was on Kansas City. I think San Francisco, you know, kind of got within their own heads and said, "Okay, we got to hold on to this lead now." Like they they started putting pressure on themselves. Um, that that and that if was you want my opinion on that, Nolan, I think it's yeah, I think it's a different levels of when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback and when Mahomes is your quarterback. I think the Super Bowl kind of showed that Patrick Mahomes, now Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's not someone like Patrick Mahomes. You can say, hey, we're going to have you throw the ball 35, 40 times a game, and we need you to go win it for us. We need you to throw 150 yards. He's got to rely on that run game. It's the same talk that we've had about that for years. Yeah. Jimmy G has is when he was backing up Tom Brady, he got some of the best experience that he could get a quarterback. Um, and then he went to a good team with a good culture for him. Uh, that's one thing I, that, that's one thing I, Jimmy Garoppolo was at another team when he was well as he does in San Francisco. I don't know about that. Uh, obviously he had mixed success with the Patriots, uh, when Brady was out, but Holmes, I mean, l- let's just look at him. He's Hill, he's Travis Kelsey, he has all those weapons. But at the same time, with all the stars that he has on that team, plus a great coach, Pat Mahomes is a bright star on that team. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? They... And, and, and there's not even a contest with him. The guy is insane. Just He has the arm strength of Joe Montana, uh, not Joe Montana, of John Elway, and also the speed sometimes of Michael Vick. The guy is insane. Yeah, he's, and, he's the future I think, yeah. that's all. I think that's pretty clear. And uh, I'll put it like this. I, I think it's really uh, it's a well-earned win by Kansas City. I think that also, uh, when looking at this, Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid will outcoach you. And yeah. what I was worried is, like, Andy Reid would turn into, like, a Marty Schottenheimer-like kind of figure. Uh, for those of you who don't know who that is, uh, he was a legendary NFL head coach uh, during the 80s and 90s and up to the 2000s who would always get super close, I think, to a Super Bowl or whatnot, but he never win. I was worried that that was the thing about Andy Reid because he'd been to the Super Bowl with the Eagles. You know, he'd been close a lot of times, but it's good that he finally got this. He's really a lovable guy. I, and, was, I was really happy yeah. to see him win one. And honestly, a really good coach. Um, but do you think that this is kind of the uh, – Pinnacle for the Chiefs, or you think that they're going to be consistent contenders for the next? I think 10 years? I think they'll be con- not. I don't know about the next ten. I don't know how long Andy Reid's be around, yeah. but I mean, this sounds funny, but I think they'll be. Once they give Patrick Mahomes two hundred million dollars, I think their yeah. chances of going to the Super Bowl kind of decrease because they're not going to be able to sign other players. So, but yeah, they should have been. They should have been in the Super Bowl last year. If it wasn't for D Ford knowing what the line of scrimmage is, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think for the next two or three years, the Chiefs, I, I think, will make a Super Bowl in the next two or three years again. You think it'd be kind of like the Seahawks? They went to the back-to-back Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. They won one of them, yeah, and they lost the other one, and just kind of not that they fell off. They're still competitive, but they're yeah. Not. I mean, the Texans are on the rise with uh, Watson. Yeah, maybe the. Maybe the Bills. I just don't see about the Bills. I mean, I don't think the Patriots can be in that 
in that conversation for much longer. No, I don't think they will. I think as soon as Brady's gone, probably at the most two more years, if nothing bad happens or he goes to a different team. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that the Patriots dynasty, they may have one more in them, you know, but I think that it's closing here pretty soon, that window is. So, I mean, overall, great win by the Chiefs. Uh, really kind of a breakdown by the 49ers there. That defense was not stopping them. And granted, it's hard to stop, you know, Pat Mahomes with the, with all those weapons that he has in his offense. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely something that San Francisco has to work on. Yeah. So. Kyle Shanahan coaching in the fourth quarter of the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl is not a good, not, not, not a the good best combination. No. For those of so, you who don't know. Atlanta, he, he was there. Yeah, he was the offense coordinator for the Falcons when they blew the 28-3 lead against the Patriots, and then he blew this lead in Super Bowl 54. So, so my question, not the best look for Kyle Shanahan. My question Go for ahead, you guys man. is, who do you think made the bigger difference in the fourth quarter? Because there's a lot of talk that Damian Williams deserved that MVP just as much as Patrick Mahomes did. And, and I, honestly, I'm kind of on that bandwagon. To me, it looked like Damian – because Patrick Mahomes was, did not look like Patrick yep. Mahomes in the first three quarters. It was, I mean, it was the Damian Williams show all day. I mean, the reason they were getting yardage was because Damian Williams had to fight and find the hole, and then he ends up scoring twice late in the game to end up giving them the win. You know, I think Damian Williams had a much better game than Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that that's it. I think part of it's also politics as well. I mean, you know, not that Damian Williams isn't a good running and whatnot, but at the same time, I think that you have to look at um, who's the face of the franchise. That's who it is usually. I mean, there's always this controversy, you know, most of the time because, you know, who, who deserves it? Like, most of the time it's going to be a quarterback. I mean, just giving you that, uh, very rarely is it ever a defensive player. Um, but, but let's look at Desmond Howard. I mean, it, it, he, he won it as a special teams guy, uh, you know, when the when the Packers won in 96. Uh, uh, who else? Larry Brown won it in 95 with the Cowboys. I'm, you know, he, he had two yeah, interceptions, and, and one also, of them went for a touchdown. Yeah. Like, it's not that – I mean, it's not yeah, that I, big I, a deal. I, in my I think Damian Williams. I, yeah. I, look, I, I'm not – go ahead, Mason. I, I think – Damian Williams should have won the MVP. I mean, he made the difference in the first half. He was the only reason they were moving the ball in the first three quarters was because of him. He got the game ceiling touchdown. I mean, he. I think he. Now, did Patrick Mahomes affect the game a little bit more? Obviously, with his arm, more electric plays. But I think Damian Williams was the reason that they, the biggest reason that pulled them away from the. 49ers so I think it was his award and let let me put it like this disagreeing with that at all I think that Williams is just as deserving as Mahomes the deal with it is when we're looking at that is yes yes he had a better game but most of the time when they're looking at that at who is going to win it's always that who how much of a better game did he have did he have than Pat Mahomes he had definitely had a better game than him but he would have to just completely carry that team on his back. And some can say that he did. But, like, they are, though, yes, there are people who aren't quarterbacks who win it. Most of the time, the default uh, player who they go with is a quarterback. And I, I think that that's kind of stupid. I get where they're coming from. He's the guy controlling the field, the guy controlling the offense. At the same time, though, there are some times when quarterbacks – not necessarily it's their fault, but they don't have as good of a showing. 
and then the other players have to step up. In this case, obvious, obviously Williams was a guy who stepped up in the situation, and I think that he does deserve the MVP. But what are you going to do about it? It's already over. So. so, in my opinion, it needs to be more of, I mean, you guys have been in a press box with me during the UIL state championships, and when we vote on the MVPs, it's mostly – you know, who would have made the bigger difference if they were not on the field? I mean, uh, that's the reason Jake Bishop yeah. won the MVP when, for Alito State Championship. Is like, yeah, Jason McClellan had a great game. Money Parks had a great game. But if you take Jake Bishop off that field, you know, Alito probably doesn't win that game. You know, it, it, in my opinion, it needs to be more like that in the Super Bowl. You know, it, if you take this guy off that team, you know – with how close this game was, if you take had taken anyone off the Chiefs, they probably would have lost. But at the same time, who who yeah. makes the biggest difference, right? Like, who who would you take off the field that would give them the least possible chance of of winning, right? That to me, that's what it to me that's what it comes down to. And and honestly, I think that Damian Williams had that kind of game. I think if you take Damian Williams off that field, I don't know if Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I agree. No, I don't think any of us are disagreeing with this, by the way. Now, I, I agree it is kind of a rigged system. Not entirely, but sort of. I mean, that's you just have to look at it from that standpoint. There's always politics and stuff, no matter whether it's sports, whether it's anything else. It, it just, that's the way things are. So, that's the end of the NFL season. And so I guess that means football's over, right? Well, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Wait, gotta wait. There's today. more. Yep. We have okay. more football. And guys, honestly, I'm sitting here. I've been watching this game since the kickoff. I'm sitting here watching the DC <laughs> Defenders play the Seattle Dragons in the in the XFL. Currently, it is a runaway, and Seattle's quarterback is hurt now. Breaking, you know, breaking news right there, right now. Um, I'm excited. I mean, the, currently DC leads 31 to 19. Uh, this game was a lot closer early on, but this has been well contested by both teams throughout this game so far. I mean, you know, it's it's been it's been really well, and, and I think that honestly we're starting to get a really good picture of who's the all-out favorite here. Uh, and and, obvi- and honestly, it's DC. Uh, you know. Coming up shortly, actually, they may have already kicked off at this point. Uh, but the Houston Roughnecks are playing the LA Wildcats, and I'm excited. Honestly, this product does not look too darn bad, and 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 those seats are pretty full at DC. They're kind of starting to clear out now. There's under, there's about a minute seventeen to go, so it's starting to clear. But pretty much all game, there there were some solid crowds here. Did, did y'all see it at all? Hmm. That's pretty good. I haven't been able to keep up with it that much. The only thing I saw was a weird kickoff formation that they have nowadays, yeah. a few other things. But, like, I haven't been able to keep up too much with it. But I, I read a few articles on it, actually, this morning. Uh, and it was it's what it seemed like is it's been pretty successful, or at least so far it has. I mean, I think, I think that there's been a craving. I mean, that's why we see these leagues pop up. I mean, you have the USFL, obviously – Back in the 80s, you have the original XFL in the early 2000s, and you had the AAF, which all of us agree was a great league, uh, you know, which was dumb that they got rid of it. Uh, thanks, what's-his-face from North Carolina. 
But um, as well, I, I think that that's why you have the XFL again, because people aren't just looking for the NFL. Sometimes people want an alternative, a different league, something new, something fun. I think that that's what this brings. I think that overall, I could see it succeeding. I could see it doing well and not having a lot of issues. Just hopefully they don't do something too whack. I don't know. You've been watching it. You tell me. So, well, again, and and the reason the AAF didn't work is because you know, a bunch of uh, front office league stuff went down. And uh, as, as you mentioned, Tom Dundon, you know, bought it and, you know, was, was not willing to invest in it. I think that's the difference here because, first of all, this is a really good product just from what I'm seeing on this first game. Um, I, it's really good. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of great passes. I'm seeing a lot of great runs. The blocks are holding up. Uh, the kickoff formation seems interesting. Um, the biggest difference to me, though, is, you know, to – to me, Vince McMahon is willing to, and he said this, he's willing to put in as much money as it takes uh, to, to help this continue to succeed. And I think that is, you know, that that's what's good about this. This is his dream. This is what he wants to do, and he has complete control of it financially. Tom Dundon did not. This was something that Tom Dundon decided, uh, the AAF was something that Tom Dundon invested in. He had hoped to maybe have a team uh, relocate or expand to Carolina because he owns the Carolina Hurricanes hockey team. Um, I don't think you're going to see that. I, you know, I think th- this is this is one man's goal, one man's vision, and, and I, I believe that he is willing to do whatever it takes to make it succeed. Obviously, he you know, hired a great staff around him. You know, Oliver Luck is the commissioner. I think that's really good. They got a lot of great head coaches. We're going to see uh, Bob Stoops return to the sidelines tomorrow for Dallas. Uh, you know, it, it to me it seems really good, and I think I, I think it would take something crazy for this thing to, you know, to fold after week eight like the AAF did. Uh, but, I, I mean, I like this so far, and I've been on Twitter all, all day, and I'm seeing nothing but positive reviews. I mean, people are like, this is actually really, really good. Um, and honestly, the other thing that'll that'll key into is how how much the markets key, uh, pay attention to it. After this game, where uh, you know the the defenders are getting ready to take the final kneel down here, uh, you know DC is probably going to have a sellout crowd next time they're at home. I can't say the same for Seattle because they got you know this is a pretty serious drumming in the second mm-hmm. half by DC. Uh, but I mean, it. But it looks good. I mean, this is a really good product. It looks amazing, and so I and so I think it's going to work. But uh, you know, we'll continue to see. Uh, if y'all aren't watching now, whoever's listening, uh, if y'all aren't watching now, uh, DC is about to uh, kill the clock, and they are 17 seconds from the first win in XFL history. Uh, I should say the rebirth, re, rebirth XFL history, the resurrected XFL. Um, Houston and LA are playing right now. Uh, that one is on Fox, I believe. And then tomorrow we got Tampa Bay playing New York in the afternoon. And then we've got Dallas playing St. Louis tomorrow evening. And, and I'm excited. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people up here in the DFW area that are going to be there and they want to check it out. And I think if it's a good product, I think this thing can take off for sure. Uh, it, you know, now, Nolan, let me, let me, let me ask you real quick. Uh, because you you the you're the one who paid attention to both leagues more than Blake and I. What do you think? What do you think will be the biggest difference if the XFL is going to succeed 
for a full season like the AAF. What what do you think the biggest difference in those two leagues will be that makes the XFL better than the AAF? Well, like I said, I mean, obviously, you know, Vince McMahon is willing to do whatever it takes and put in as much money or, you know, do whatever, mm-hmm. it, like I said, do whatever it takes to make sure that, that his dream succeeds and that it is a, you know, it, it's a good product. And I think he's willing to do that. I mean, he does it all the time with WWE. He's not a football expert. No, there, you know, I, I don't think anyone's calling him that, but, you know, he's hired the right people around him and, uh, you know, I, again, I don't think it's going to be kind of a corrupt thing where some guy is going to have to come in and and pay a bunch of money just to keep the league afloat, and then when he starts losing it, he's going to pull it. I don't think that's going to happen here. The other thing is, as long as the XFL keeps stays its own separate entity, I think it'll be fine. I don't think you necessarily need to be getting into any bidding wars right now. I mean, from what I've mm-hmm. seen so far, and I just switched my TV over to the, the Houston-LA game, um, from what I've seen so far, I mean, you know, the, the quality of play is really good. And these are guys who are, you know, just outside a 50-man roster, 43-man roster for the NFL. Like, you know, these, these are some really good players here. Uh, they're not trying to be a developmental league, right? Which, I mean, I mean, the amount of red tape, you know, to do that is crazy. And that's why the, the AAF failed is because their ultimate goal was to get guys – going to the NFL. Well, when you play a schedule that it that's as long as as it is, as this is, you know, say say you play for um you know, say for the AAF you played for Orlando who it looked like was probably going to go to the championship. Uh, you know, say you're Garrett Gilbert, that quarterback. Well, you play that whole AAF season that goes up to April and then right then and there you have the beginning of OTAs. You know, you have you have the draft, and then you have OTAs following right after. And so it, you know, it's a it's a thing that it's not an easy transition to make. Uh, you know, and playing football a full calendar year, I mean, safety is also another thing. And so I think that's why the NFL Players Association, you know, didn't you know didn't want to get involved. I think that's why a deal was never done. As long as the XFL can stay its own separate entity, I think it'll be fine. Let's get Very moving well. on here. But by, by the way, one more thing, uh, one one more headline there. Uh, Landry Jones, former Oklahoma quarterback, and uh, back up to Ben Roethlisberger. He got a few starts as a Steeler up in Pittsburgh when uh, Roethlisberger got hurt. He will not be starting for Dallas tomorrow. Uh, he was cleared by training staff, uh, but Bob Stoops has come out and said due to limited reps in practice, he will not get the start. He may see some playing time, uh, but he will not get the start. And so it'll be interesting to see what Dallas can do. Uh, with Landry Jones out. Let's go ahead and move on into our final segment here. Let's let's talk some hockey. This is my domain. Uh, holy crap, how good is St. Louis? Uh, I, th- that's the one thing on my mind right now. It, I'm looking at the Western Conference right now, and, I mean, n- nobody is close. N- nobody's even close. Uh, St. Louis is, is well in control of the Central Division. Um I mean the Avs and uh, the Avalanche and the Stars. They're they're competing, they're competing fiercely for that second second place spot. But the Blues are six points above the Avs, who are one point above everybody in the Pacific. I mean it's clear to me that the Blues are the best team in the Western Conference right now. And, and honestly, I don't think that was a shock. You know, obviously they came on, they came they came out real hot uh, late last season, 
and uh, you know that it just it's moved over to this season. You're seeing that with the Bruins as well. They've got 78 points right now. They they're on top of the Atlantic Division. They're one point ahead of the Capitals in the Metropolitan. Uh, Boston's got 78 points. Washington's got 77. I mean, we're seeing some. I mean, we're seeing exactly what we thought we'd expect. In the Atlantic, it's the Bruins and Lightning in the top two. Metropolitan, it's the Caps and Penguins. Uh, then you look at the the Central. The Central is more was more up in the air. We kind of figured the Blues would be here, but the Abs and Stars are battling it out for that second spot. And then the Pacific is the shocker. The loss of Joe Pavelski did a lot worse for San Jose than I think any of us would have expected. Because they are now sitting with just 52 points. They are third from the bottom in the Pacific Division. And the Vancouver Canucks are on top of the Pacific. I don't remember the last time I even thought about saying that. I mean, the the, the parody here is is ridiculous. I'm, and I love it. I, I, I do. And then you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been a force ever since they became a team. Back when Nolan and company was just in our infancy. You know, I'm sure Blake, you I'm sure you remember watching that that finals game between them and that. the Caps and their inaugural season. We I were, mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, and Seth, Seth was super excited about that. I remember he he was he was and and, and we gotta we gotta get him on. He's a first year team. Yeah, he we gotta get him on too. He's up in Flint. I'm sure he'd love to talk about where the where the Golden Knights are right now, and I'm sure he'd love to talk XFL with us as well. Um, there's not a lot of massive headline I can get here from from the NHL, more than just a kind of overview of where everything's at. But holy crap, uh, the Eastern Conference looks exactly as we expected. The Western Conference does not at all. I mean, it's 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 very strange. And and if you're, you know, if you're somewhat interested in hockey, start paying attention now because it is about to get good. I remember this time last year we were saying there's no way the Blues are going to make the playoffs. They were at the bottom of the Central Division. Well, guess what? They end up breaking their way into the third playoff spot from the Central, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. It's just the way hockey works. So if you're not a big, ho- or if you if you if you like hockey but you haven't been paying attention, turn it on right now because this is the time. This is when it's going to start to get really, really good and really, really interesting. Other than that, I really don't have a lot more to say. Um, Very well. No, guess no who's time to take over? It is. All right, guys. Well, I'm re- I'm remote. I'm not in the same place you guys are. So Mason's going to have to control the clock here. Uh, I will love to control the clock here. Okay. And just just remember this if do- episode. If, if he doesn't use up all sixty seconds, we just sit here in silence, in awkward silence, and let him finish. awkward stare oh, yeah. down. It's got to be. It's got to be. A Look minute. at me straight in the eyes while I talk. Okay. About when's the last time talking. Blake has not gone a minute? Seriously, has that ever happened? Um, it's been quite it, he, he's well, actually, it, I think over the break. He's he's done it quite a bit. <laughs> he's done it quite a bit, actually. All right, mm. Blake. What Anyways, I about? know what I'm talking about today. All right, so this what are you is, talking about first? This is, let, us have, let us know. Okay, well, I don't know if we're talking about two things, but what we're talking about is how you hate, uh, like, when you're at night about to go to bed and then you have to pee. Let's talk about this. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Okay. Do you ever hate it when you're just like, you've gotten everything, brush your teeth, you're ready to go to bed, you're about to go to bed, all right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. Urge to pee, okay? It is awful. You're about, you're like literally already in bed, you're about to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, 
nature calls and it's like, what do I do? Do I pee in the bed? Do I pee in the sink? Do I have to walk all the way to the bathroom to pee? This is a crisis that has been around since the dawn of mankind, okay? Cavemen were probably like, ugh, 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 do I have to go outside of the cave pee, okay? That's what I'm saying. We need to have a more portable way. So I think that we should introduce like catheters that run into the bathroom oh uh, to potential salt. <laughs> To solve, to solve that problem because this is an issue a crisis that's facing america that i will not stand for any longer and that is why we need right. to solve this and that is why and that's why blake should be your student senator here right. texting in because he will he will change problems but only for but especially for the students of a&m uh, hey it's it's an idea dude all, All right. right, Nolan, that was, that was take it away. Nice. That is I, our I show think, for today. That was our show for the for the day. I think it went well. Uh, again, I want to apologize in case we to anyone listening if we had any sound things. I I didn't get a lot from my end. I don't think y'all did from y'all's end either. But I I think the sound went really well. Um, if not, someone let us know and we'll figure out how to fix it. Uh, guys. That is going to do it for us. That is the first time we are all we are all back here. We've got everybody on the show again, and it is fantastic. He's the real Blake T. Martin. T. standing for Tamale. Mason Pruitt, who can do it? That is that's going to do it for us, guys. This has been a it's been a really good show. Thanks a lot for listening, uh, guys. Watch the XFL. That's all I can say. Go follow us on Twitter. At uh, at Company Nolan, follow us on Instagram at Company uh, at at Nolan Company, and uh, go check out our website at Nolan Co Sports. Guys, I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the roof, and I'm signing off. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>